After a happy marriage of 34 years and two children, Barbara, Mojica's husband, decided he wanted an open marriage so he could have a dual life with a younger woman. She filed for divorce. She picked up the pieces. She met and married her soulmate and carved out a new life as an author and mentor. Have you ever felt like giving up, quitting, throwing in the towel? Welcome to Never Ever Give Up Hope featuring Carol Graham. She's an author, health coach, and motivational speaker. Backed into a corner multiple times in her life, Carol shares with you stories on how she overcame some of the toughest obstacles a person can go through in life, but refused to give up hope. Rather than admit defeat, an opportunity was presented, and it involves each and every one of you. Carol will feature spectacular guests who will share their messages of hope, encouragement, and their inspiration to prove why life's adversities only make you stronger. And now, welcoming the host of the show, here's Carol Graham. Barbara Ann Mojica has a Bachelor of Arts and Master of Arts degrees in history as well as graduate certifications in school supervision and administration from C.W. Post College, Long Island University. Barbara has been a lifelong educator in the fields of early childhood and special education, having spent 40 years as a teacher, principal, and school district administrator. Barbara currently authors historical articles under her banner, Passages for the Columbia Insider and is writing her own award-winning children's book series called Little Miss History. Welcome, Barbara. Thank you so much, Carol. I'm very happy to be here and I look forward to chatting with you and your listeners. This is really interesting, this whole series. I looked at um, many of the things that you sent me regarding you know, the stories and this is definitely different and I appreciate that because different is always good especially when this show has been on for eight years and I haven't had a guest share something along these lines so this is going to be exciting and I appreciate it. Let's start with your backstory Barbara as we open the show today regarding you know how your life changed drastically let's start with that if you would please. Okay, well, there have been a few times in my life uh, where things have changed drastically. If I go way back to the beginning, I grew up in a working class family, and neither of my parents were able to finish high school because they were children of the Depression. So the outlook for me was to... uh, try to become uh, successful in some type of average working class type of job. And I was determined for that not to happen. Uh, As a young child, I loved school. I loved reading. And while my parents did encourage me uh, in every way possible, they didn't have the financial means Uh for me to 
think about going to college or anything of that sort. But I persisted. You know, I never gave up hope. I was determined. So uh, what happened was in high school, I was going toward a kind of commercial diploma, uh, learning skills and and, uh, secretarial skills, Uh business skills. And uh, my parents thought that would be a, a good career choice for me. And I had already uh, started working at 14. I got a job on Saturdays in the department <laughs> store. And, you know, I made my little savings uh-huh. for the week. When I got to high school, I met a teacher who was coincidentally a history teacher. She was dynamic. She was... Uh-huh inspirational she was tiny a little tiny four foot eleven bundle of energy (laughs) who inspired me and I always was curious about explorers and people who went to strange and foreign places and discovered all kinds of new things but she really put me on fire and she took me aside because she saw of my interest in history and she said you know you really have to go to college and I said well uh, my parents really don't have the means for that and she said if you put your nose to the grindstone you'll find a way and she told me uh, about the opportunities at that time I was living in New York City and there was a public college available on the basis of merit so if you had the grades Uh Uh, and you got in, you would not have to pay tuition. You would just have to pay for your books and, you know, ancillary expenses. So she says, you really have to do this. Uh, So that's exactly what I did. (laughs) I wound up graduating with honors. I got into my first choice of that public college. Uh, So I wound up going to Hunter College for an undergraduate degree. And I worked super, super hard. I was so into it that I managed to graduate in three years. I took all kinds of extra courses during the summer. And during the summer, I met another professor who unbeknownst to me, put in my name for a scholarship for graduate school. I got a scholarship to graduate school. So there I was on my journey. So I went from not having the slightest bit of hope of really being able to achieve this to being you know a graduate student and and then graduating so uh that 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 was the first part of my journey um there are other times where um you know i faced kind of daunting circumstances um i started teaching because uh After I got my graduate degrees in history, I realized that I didn't want to be part of that kind of ivory tower academic world where I would be doing research all the time and never connecting with people uh, and being able to share my enthusiasm about history directly with people. So I started teaching and I did a 180. So uh, when I started teaching, I was working with elementary school students. So I really didn't have that much of an opportunity to uh, spend most of my time with history, but I was always working on that in the background. But 
after I had been teaching eight years, I was told by the administration, I, I took a leave because after eight years of marriage, I had my first child. And when I went to go back after the leave, I was told, well, you know, mothers should really stay home with their children. <laughs> and I said, this is not going to work for me. I'm going to have both. So I just told her I will be in next week to sign my contract. And I left it at that. She backed down. The next week I went in and I signed my contract. <laughs> and Good for you. And there I was. So that that was one one time uh, uh, during my career, uh, I I became a little bit disappointed. Uh, I was teaching in a private school and I didn't see the needs of all children being met. So I began thinking about special education. So I went back to school. And I took my certification in special education and I started working with children with really severe needs. And that brought me the satisfaction that I was seeking in teaching. I had become a little bit, you know, disoriented, uh -huh. disappointed. So uh, that was another point, a, a, a turning point in my career. But it brought me great satisfaction. It also was very, very challenging. So it, it opened up new doors to me in the sense that I became exposed to a whole new world of people who were working in education in different areas of education. Uh, you know, I met physical therapists, occupational therapists, speech therapists, and it was a very much, very much a collaborative group effort. So I learned how to work with so many different types of people. Uh, and uh, I moved through that. I worked with severely disabled children physically and mentally, autistic children, crack cocaine babies, you know, Down syndrome, mm. all kinds of areas. And um, I really, really became immersed in that. So by this time, my children were older and I had more of an opportunity to spend the hours that I needed working at the career. And uh, I, the opportunity arose to become principal of the special ed school that I was working in. So I became principal and I had the opportunity to learn so much about all types of disabilities, work with parents, work with all of these therapists and, and, and you know, really being able to zero in on the needs of these kids. And um, I did that for a while. And then an opportunity arose for me to become a administrator within the system for preschool children. So in that position, I would be able to work with the parents, find the placement, the appropriate placement for the child with a, a preschooler with special needs, and then work in all dimensions, with the schools for special needs, with the parents, with the children. So uh, that was the direction my career was at. But then I had another setback. The city decided to do a major reorganization under a new mayor who decided that he was going to revamp the entire Department of Education. Since I had only been there a short time, uh, my head was on the chopping block. 
and uh, I lost my position and uh, I didn't know where I was going to go at that point. So I was out of work. Um, I began uh, looking for opportunities. So for a short time, I uh, I worked one-on-one with different private agencies uh, of children with special needs. Uh, but I need. I, I wanted a full-time position, so I eventually wound up in a public school uh, as a special educator doing all kinds of things. So uh, I was no longer a supervisor. I was a, a teacher. I wound up doing uh, itinerant teaching. I wound up doing uh, a Wilson reading program for dyslexic students. I wound up working uh, in a team teaching classroom with special needs and general needs kids. So I wound up doing all kinds of different things, which gave me even more new perspectives. So, you know, I thought this was going to be a horrible thing, but in effect, it opened up uh, all different kinds of new opportunities to work with different people. So I think my message is. you never know, you know, one door closes and another one opens. And uh, I'm reminded of a quote uh, by T.J. Jake. If you always do what you've always done, always be where you've always been. Hmm, that's So good. if you don't allow yourself to be open to change, you won't have so many opportunities uh, that could possibly be uh, open to you and and things that you could never even think about or realize or you know conceive that could possibly happen so i think you always have to be open uh to change to learn from the past again which is you know going into my philosophy you need to take things from the past in order to understand where you are today and where you could possibly go in the future. Yes, that's very good. And I appreciate you sharing your backstory as well as encouraging the audience along those lines, because as you said at one point, we never know when change comes and you can't necessarily be prepared for it, but you are prepared in within yourself to accept the things that may come as change, correct? Right, exactly. At one point in your life, as I mentioned at the top of this show, you had an, another abrupt emotional and personal change, and that was when your husband left you abruptly. How did you pick up the pieces at that point? Well, I think my personality kind of kicked in. You know, there was always within me... Um, a determination and a stubbornness, mm-hmm. perhaps a persistence, you know, that uh, when something bad happened to me, uh, I always said, okay, I'm not going to let this hold me back. I'm just going to move forward. So it was a very difficult time for me. I just said to myself, well, I'm going to move forward. So I talked to people. uh, I tried to get the help that I needed. But within me, I just said, 
I'm going to go out. I'm going to move forward. So I did. I went out. Uh, I met with people. Let my family kind of of help me along. It was it was a very difficult time because mm-hmm. not only was I going through the emotional upheaval with my own uh, mate, but my two children at this point of were course. adults, of and course. they were about to get married. So oh, <laughs> we had all of right, this. Right, right. All of this happened like within. A, a two-year span so I uh, so in a sense I was kind of pushed forward and you know I, I kind of had to go on uh, but I I went out I started dating uh, I you know and I said I'm just going to try to resume a normal lifestyle and uh, that's what I did and it was only um, a couple of years after that that I met my soulmate, who is my husband now, and I've never been happier. <laughs> and uh, again, wonderful. you know, right. things work out for the best. Now, you made a statement that I'd like you to um, maybe expound just a little bit on, and that is this. We are all history makers. It is impossible to understand what is happening today if we do not understand how we got here. Yesterday plus today equals tomorrow. Your motto is, if you don't understand your history, you don't know what you're talking about. Just expound a minute or so on that. Okay, well, think about the word history and it's not so much people see the word story in it so they say well history is stories but some people think of history as just a bunch of dates mm-hmm. and events and facts which is far from the truth the real meaning of history is that it forces each of us to it, uh, the greek word it means to uh, for history is to seek to inquire to look within and it, history forces us to look deep within ourselves to understand ourselves in terms of our own family, our community, and then the wider world around us. So think about what history is. Everything has a history. That's Anything right. Anything in the world has a history. We don't just suddenly exist. All of us have a background so in our family we have our ancestors who came before us and then we have the people who we're living with now and then we will have those who come after us our children our grandchildren our great grandchildren so we're all part of this Mm -hmm. network same thing in our community how did our communities begin Mm. well they were people that were drawn together by some common bond right whether that be an ethnic bond whether that be an economic bond whether that be a religious bond they bonded together for certain common reasons and part of that was their history that bound them together the the cultural heritage that they experienced together and then extended and built out and the world is is the same thing and when we take our communities all of our communities are a network that belong to a larger world and a global picture. So I see history as 
evolutionary rather than revolutionary. Um, most of history ha has evolved from a, uh, from things that happened before that we had no control over. Things that happened are now we have some control over if we know and attempt to understand them. And what can we do? We can take what happened in the past. We can learn from what we didn't like. We can try to avoid repeating mistakes, but we can take that. We can build for ourselves a framework to live better right now in the present and then try to prepare something that's a legacy, a framework for those who will come in the future. So we hope that our children will become engaged citizens who will work hard to create a better world for themselves and their children. And today, history is very different from the history of the past. Okay, it is everything is changing so fast and the way things have changed uh, impact the events that are going on. It's very different from a hundred years before. Absolutely. And, and history encompasses all of that. You know, history is a topic, a focus about something, but it's also the context. What else is happening around that? So, you have to look, if you're talking about an event that happened 100 years ago, you have to look at what was going on then. Right. Who right. were the people? How were they connected? And what were the actual documents? There's such a, a, a misnomer today about information, real and true information. When we study history, we have to look at the real documents, the letters, the journals, the diaries, the artifacts, the fossils that we have. That's the real data, not what somebody writes about it 50 years later or not somebody's opinion about what happened without, you know, social media, uh, advanced technology has done so much to change the way we interpret what is going on today. And that gets me very upset because I don't think schools are doing a very good job uh, of teaching about history, about uh, teaching government, teaching civics, uh, and they don't teach children to become good critical thinkers. And they that, teach a lot about curriculum that meets a certain narrow focus uh, in trying to bring students up to certain common standards, but they don't teach children how to think, the process of thinking. That was very well stated, and I, I appreciate how you how you brought that from history to current. Now, we're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, I want you to share the exciting part of your story, which is your mission and what you have done for children and what is happening with your book series when we return. Carol Graham would like to show you the path from misery to miraculous triumph in her fast-paced memoir, Battered Hope. 
She relates her determination to succeed as someone who experienced one horrendous nightmare after another. Gang raped and left for dead, loss of a child, husband falsely imprisoned, and cancer. Nothing could break her tenacity or faith. No matter what you face, heartache, loss, suffering, or injustice, Carol will illustrate how she became a victor the same way you can. The secret is to never, ever give up hope. Order your copy at Amazon or batteredhope.blogspot.com. So, Barbara, thank you so much for what you have shared already regarding understanding a bit more about history. Now you're going to share what your mission is. And your mission, as it is stated here, is to prepare children to become critical thinkers. Wow, that really had an impact on me when I read that. Also to become problem solvers and responsible members of a community that will include the leaders of tomorrow. So share a little bit about what you mean by that. Okay, well, critical thinking. What is critical thinking? Critical thinking is the ability to focus on a problem or a, a topic to be able to take it apart, observe, and look at data or information to be able to analyze that information to then be able to infer and extend that information out into other situations and then to be able to communicate that message or information to others and by doing all of that, a child develops the ability to successfully solve problems within their own life and in the wider world, in, in the workforce, of course, later on when they become adults. So I think that schools, as I mentioned before, are, are now trying to meet arbitrary standards in very uh, uniform and regimented ways. Uh, we have such a diverse population of children that learn in so many different ways uh, and have so many obstacles to learning in their life right now, whether that be emotional, whether that mm -hmm. be a language problem, whether it be situational family problem that the schools can't possibly address all of these needs. And I think they spend too much time on areas in which certain powers that be, whether that be the school administration or uh, leaders in the community, whether it be a certain political bent, whether it be a certain religious bent. I think that parents have to be the first teachers and parents should be allowed a lot more leeway in uh, choosing the way their children learn. Excellently put. Thank you. Your books. Tell us about your books and your website, which 
go hand in hand. The Little Miss History Book has received many awards. So share with us about that. Well, my books are a kind of combination of all my life experiences. Hmm. So I love history. I love teaching. When I retired, realized right away was not going to be the type to sit in the rocking chair and, and look at, uh, <laughs> at the sky. So my husband, uh, who, who was really a, a, another person who loves history, is an artist. My husband has been drawing his entire life and he has written his own books. He has illustrated books and he has spent uh, a lot of time in the art world and in the children's area of that world. So he designed the character Little Miss History based on a younger version of me. Mm. She's a cartoon-like character. Okay. Rose-colored glasses to reflect a positive outlook, always looking on the bright side of things. Camping outfit because she's a hiker, an explorer, an adventurer. Uh, hiking boots, oversized. They're just in memory of my father's big feet. The pigtails, <laughs> the way I used to wear them as a teenager. So young, composite of me who kind of reflects what I think uh, – children might be able to uh, look at and see themselves in her. So I want them to be enthusiastic. I want them to be curious. I want them to take the books and explore. So she guides children through the narrative. Mm. Uh, the books are very much interactive. They cover history, but they also cover on many other areas of learning at the same time. So my books cover some iconic sites like the Statue of Liberty or Independence Hall. They also cover national parks and explore nature and animals. So it might be Sequoia National Park or it, it might be Mount Rushmore. Uh, they might be international in focus. So some of my books focus on military history. Intrepid Sea, Air, and Space Museum. Uh, that wonderful battleship had such an integral part in history. World War One, World War Two, the Vietnam War, uh, the uh, Korean conflict, the space shuttle. It it. It actually was involved in space recovery of vessels. It it uh, it even served as headquarters for the FBI during uh, 9/11. So it has a tremendously involved history. Uh, I also investigate and reflect on different issues with children, like Native oh, American good. rights. And uh, the rights of African Americans and certain people who have been also not uh, able to be, be acknowledged at that point. Mm, uh -huh. So I want to have children exposed to all of that. And I ask them questions. I guide them to participate in discussions. And I encourage them to go out and investigate in a multitude of, of different areas, whether it be prehistory, like La Brea Tar Pits, uh, or uh, whether it be immigration, like Ellis Island, whatever the topic might be. 
And how does this help children today become problem solvers? Give us an example. Well, to, uh, to solve problems, for instance, in my Sequoia National Park book, we're talking about the beautiful uh, sequoia trees. But we talk about science. We talk about uh you know, how the trees grow, we compare and contrast them. We talk about explorers who came and settled there, but we talk about what's happening there today. It's the most polluted national park in the entire Uh, national park system. What's causing this? Uh, Can the children see any way to solve these problems? So we we start to talk about environment, in, in my Mount Rushmore book, we talk about Native American rights. We talk about how the land was taken from the Lakota Sioux. Was that right? Was that wrong? Now the, the uh, Lakota are building their own monument uh, to Mount Crazy Horse, to, to their leader. And should we honor one of these monuments? Should we have two? Uh, how, how important are the rights of all people. So uh, all of these are the kinds of issues, you know, that I want them to start Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. thinking about. A Mount Vernon book, we talk about slavery. Uh, We talk about George Washington and how he felt about slavery. How the the attitudes have changed. In my Monticello book, we talk about Jefferson and how he was a slave owner. The book is is dedicated to the descendants of Jefferson, some of which uh, were slaves. So we talk about um, you know, all types of issues in a non-judgmental, but uh, Good. open format. Yeah. And we want children to have an opportunity to think about these things and Excellent. not being given pre-formatted yes. opinions. Yes. Just to go out, critically think, and investigate on their own. Excellent. I'm so glad that you made that clarification. You also have available teaching resources for parents and teachers and speaking engagements. But before you talk a little bit about that, tell us what's in the near future as far as your books are concerned. What do you have that you think might be exciting to look forward to? Oh, I have a whole bunch of things in various stages of development. Um, Mm. My books are multimedia, so in almost all instances, I go out with my husband, who is my illustrator, and we do the photography. Mm. So we go to the sites. Uh, the books include photography. They include portraits, as well as Little Miss, who is narrating mm-hmm, the story. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, I have all kinds of things in progress. Uh, in the future, the next book uh, after Monticello, which is the most recent release, is going to be uh, something that's very near where I live. The USS Slater is a destroyer escort ship uh, who is really one of the one of the only remains uh, of these destroyer escorts who played such an important part in World War II, protecting the seas for both merchant ships 
uh, and for our military ships. So I'm going to have a book on the USS Slater. Uh, I visited Gettysburg recently, and I, I foresee a book uh, about uh, Gettysburg in the future as well. And then there are a few others that are in various stages of development. Well, your excitement certainly comes across. My goodness. I mean, you love history. And I can see how with an attitude like that, you want people to love history as well. And the way you illustrate it, the way you reflect on what history was to how it affects us today and in the children's book. Oh, my goodness. That's what a wonderful idea. What a wonderful concept. And I looked at some of the pictures that you uh, have on your website, and they are remarkable. So hats off to the illustrator as well. <laughs> oh, it's such, uh, could not do it without the illustration. Absolutely. So in conclusion, what message, if any, do you have for the audience today? My motto, of course, is near and dear to me. If you don't know your history, you don't know what you're talking about because you can't understand, again, how you got to today if you don't know right, where you right. were yesterday. And you want to build a better tomorrow. So you've got to really work on what is good and improve it what is bad and eliminate it and and leave something better for for our children and grandchildren in in the future we can't let the world the way it is right now so divisive we have to come together we have to be objective we have to analyze and we have to allow ourselves the freedom to investigate to study but we also have to listen we have to learn to listen i think the best kind of parent is a parent that knows how to listen mm -hmm. to their child and i think all of us would benefit if we did less talking and more listening and how many books do you have I have 14 books in the Little Miss History Travels 2 series. Uh, I have a trilogy book for, that I did for New York City teachers who requested that I do that. So three of my New York City books are put together in one volume, The Adventures of Little Miss History. Okay. Uh, and then I have a coloring and activity book that also includes famous quotes from history. And they are all available on Amazon, your website? Yes. The best place to go for all of my resources is my website, littlemisshistory.com. Okay. Okay. You can find the books. Uh, you can find my blog. Uh, on my blog, I have tips for parents, teachers, authors, and I review books twice a week. Oh, good. good. Uh, I have a YouTube channel, and I have two-minute teacher uh, lessons for children and parents so the parents can take the lesson and supplement science math history citizenship uh, almost anything you can imagine uh, and I have on that website history videos for kids 
uh, and travel videos, all kinds of things related to my work. Uh, and all my social media channels are there as well. They can also talk to me with an instant chat or send me a message. So if they go there, they can find almost any uh, of the resources that I offer. Parents, teachers, children. That's excellent. You've got, it's all there in one spot. And I thank you for sharing that. The resources will be available to me as a grandma for my grandchildren. And as you said, certainly for parents and for teachers. And again, they are done so well. I encourage my audience to go have a look at the website, start there, pick the books that you think might be the ones for you. So do you have any special offer for our listeners today or or is all that available on the website? Well, I have different offers. So for somebody who wants to start, I have on my blog a link to 14 Reasons You Need to Know History. Okay. Uh, uh, For uh, authors, I have a couple of videos on um, tips for authors. Oh, good. I have articles on my blog as well. For parents, uh, uh, n- the books are a great starting point if uh, you your child has a particular interest in any of those fields, prehistory, La Brea yeah, Tar Pits, yeah. military history, one of those books. Uh, or if your child is studying something in particular at school to supplement that. Uh, and the two-minute teacher, of course, those lessons are great for mm. parents or teachers okay. on the YouTube channel who want to uh, you know, supplement. Well, thank you. I'm so You answered all my questions, and <laughs> you also are available, as you said, for the, the chat on your website if somebody has any specific questions for you whether as a teacher or a parent. So I appreciate you being available for that as well. And I thank you for what you shared today. And I thank you, Barbara, for being on Never, Ever Give Up Hope. My pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Thank you for listening to Never, Ever Give Up Hope, featuring Carol Graham. Did you know that most people succeed because they are determined to? Quitting was never an option. Carol loves your comments and will respond to each one. So please subscribe and review this podcast. A rating of five stars would be outstanding and appreciated. Remember, if you are still here, there is always hope.